Good morning, Philadelphia. I am your host for Tiffany's Community Spotlight, Tiffany Dubois-Morales. Today with me, I have a amazing and oh, just fantastic woman. She is the author of her very first book, Resilience, The Ingredients of a firm foundation, uh, Ms. Charlene Ransom. Charlene, say hi. Good morning. Hello, Philadelphia. Oh, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I know it's been, you know, a couple of months since we had scheduled this. So I'm really excited about this. I'm excited. We did have a... um, a conversation before and I know that I was supposed to come before sooner well like two or three weeks and I got sick I was like oh man but I am excited today is a great day it's beautiful outside great conversation to be had so I'm At- glad to be here thank you oh, for the invitation it is my absolute pleasure um can you tell my listeners a little bit about your book resilience tell them a little bit about my book of course I can Resilience, the ingredients for a firm foundation, is my life story. It's my life story from my genesis, even before I left my mother's womb, um, being uh, diagnosed with bone cancer at seven months of her pregnancy. My mom was um, forced with the reality of losing her leg. And so my beginning was very tumultuous, right? Yeah. Um, And as I progressed through life, there were various different adverse experiences I experienced and trauma and so as a young adult there were things that i've experienced and things that have had impact into my adulthood and after going back to school i guess in my mid-30s i decided i wanted to be a social worker and begin to work in a population with children and particularly young girls and i saw a lot of the young ladies in me or me in the young ladies and Mm -hmm. i thought about the things that i wish someone would have said to me when i was that age I thought about the things that I wanted somebody to say to me that would help me to make a better decision, or I wish I had someone to tell me which direction to go in. And so when I think about resilience, and when I wrote that, I wanted to create a book that was not just a book to talk about my life and my trauma, but how to give an example or an idea of what it looks like to be more trauma-informed that as an educator, as a social worker, as a nurse, as a school teacher, as a librarian, as a neighbor, as a friend, we're more empathetic when we understand what trauma looks like. I don't have to hear your story to know that there is a story, but when I understand that we all have one, I'm more empathetic and how I present it. And that's the reason why we're resilient. That's what it's all about. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about how you came to write your book that's a great that's a what that's a what, what triggered what triggered like uh, you to like finally sit down and like write it's okay so and and, and i shared i think i believe i shared that in one of the the final chapters in the book um one of my i'm in a sorority my sorority is delta sigma theta sorority of um the most wonderful sorority. <laughs> and awesome. one of my line sisters, who is now the president of Camden County Community College, had hmm. made the recommendation for me to become or be the Outstanding Alumnus Award winner 
um, in 20, I think 2022. And so when she made the recommendation, I had shared some story with some of my story with her um, about my educational process and what I had experienced in the school system. And so she was like, that's a great story. I think you should, you know, consider this. And she made the recommendation and they mm -hmm. met with the president of the college at the time and he agreed. And so I thought, okay, now, all right, I, if there was ever a time to begin to put something into action, this would be the time. And so I began to think more seriously about it. And probably about two weeks after that mm -hmm. introduction with the president, I get a challenge to write my book in 90 days from another pastor friend, Pastor Joy Morgan. Man. And so 90 day challenge to write a book. And I say to people, it did not take me 90 days to write the book. It took me a whole year. But in 90 mm -hmm. days, I got what was in my head, out of my head onto paper. And mm -hmm. then the work began. And so yeah. it was the challenge to, um, now that I'm in a different position, people are expecting more of you and they're saying you need to do or you should do. And people are seeing the value in you that you don't mm -hmm. always see in yourself. And so that was the reason why I finally stopped and said, let's start writing. And I did. That's awesome. Um, when we had met, God, I guess it was about a year ago now at this point mm -hmm. because you know you're friends with Sylvia Bastani who's um chief impact officer for Girard College and they um do a lot of work with single parents uh, for and provide you know free board for them to get a quality education um you know first grade all the way through mm -hmm. high school graduation which awesome but um it was really like it was really nice meeting with you and it was just kind of like all right let me read this book and I couldn't look at it let alone touch it for months after I had read it because it was just very emotionally ringing do you want to tell everybody kind of like the whole, like what chapter really resonates with you within the book? Because, I mean, for me, it was chapter five. So, Tiffany, this is the thing that I did intentionally. And my editor probably, I think I drove her crazy <laughs> on numerous occasions. But I refused to um, title the chapters. I refused to title the chapters because... It would give a definition to something that not necessarily fit each chapter. Yeah. And so I intentionally selected a statement or a quote that mm -hmm. fit the moment, right? So I don't even know what chapter five is about. Chapter five. Let's go through that. Right. She can be attractive, intelligent, and successful and yet feel like she is unworthy of love or see herself as less than. Chapter five. Unknown. Yeah, chapter five. I think chapter five. Now, I hope my bird here. Yeah. Chapter five was when you talked about um, not being able to say no. 
Thank you. Okay, I wanted to make sure that was the smart chapter. Okay. Yeah. Chapter huh. five. Oh my God, the ability to say no. When I tell you that chapter um, took time to evolve, took time to evolve, um, and writing that chapter was more therapeutic. So we talked about dating and relationships in chapter two. And for me, um, let's go back a little bit. I had been sexually abused. And because of the sexual abuse, I did not quite understand the significance or the dichotomy that I was feeling <laughs> with the idea that I had been abused and knowing that it was wrong as an adult, but as a child, I did not know it was wrong. And so I thought I was in a relationship with my abuser. I thought it was a relationship, right. despite the fact there was a 10 year difference and I was only 10 years old. Um, so my, my perception of relationships and what love looked like and what that meant or what intimacy was, was mm -hmm. very distorted. And so, um, and, and, and I'm also a person of faith. And so as a person of faith, you know, we, we believe the Bible says you should abstain from sex. And so for me, I ideally, um, being in the church and at that, at that time, when I began to write that chapter, I had gone through a series of different dating relationships where I realized that I needed to figure out what it was that I was doing wrong and not necessarily the person. So working through the conversations of understanding what is it about me that is attracted to certain types of relationships and begin to have these conversations and begin to have them with myself. Right. And then I begin to think, okay, so what do I know about intimacy? What do I know about sex? What do I know about, um, relationship? Right. And, mm -hmm. and I really struggle with it. I mean, and, and, and when I say struggled, I didn't even understand what intimacy was. I thought intimacy was, what you did sexually, your sexual acts. I didn't know it was something far greater than that. And so when a man would ask me questions without hesitation, I would tell you what my intimate moments were, mm -hmm. right? With no fear and, 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 and not even understanding that and thinking that I'm being open and I'm being communicative and I'm giving him that because mm -hmm. that's all I knew, you see, because right. see, as a victim of sexual abuse, my abuser always did what we did in secret. Yeah. And the only thing about intimacy that I knew was what he did with me. Right. So I didn't know it meant anything other than that. And almost every relationship was a secret relationship. And so at some point my life will begin to understand, okay, Charlene, almost every guy you're dating has these red flags that are popping up. Mm -hmm. And why do you keep going back? And I begin to recognize the red flags and recognize my own signs and my own, my own transitions from one to the next. And then I would just begin to say to myself, what you're doing is not changing anything because you continue to do the same thing and expecting something different. And so I yeah. stopped dating. I stopped dating for almost two years until I wrote this chapter. Hmm. And as I um, got to that chapter, I remember telling a story and I wrote the story, telling the story about it. My, the last dating experience that I had that I thought this was it right I knew he was single for sure yep thought well this got to be the sign he is the one he is mine he's my dude we're going to go to Florida and get married and have the happily ever after and date one was amazing we go we have this conversation we're in the park the beautiful skylight of the city in front of us and we're just having great conversation and we talk to the wee hours of the morning yep. and I take him back home 
And then the next day, we do the same exact thing again, right? But when we do the date the second night, mm. it was what happened that night that allowed me to understand the value of my no. Got to wow. read the book to get the old thing. But I will say this, because <laughs> as a 10-year-old, someone mm. took something from me. Yeah. He was persuasive at taking it from me. He was intentional at taking it from me. And he was good at taking it from me. And because he took it, he didn't ask. So therefore, I didn't say yes, nor did I say no. Hmm. And I never understood the value of no, because I've always been submissive. Yes. Being submissive can have its drawbacks, although at the same time, it takes a lot of strength to allow yourself to, like, let go. To let uh, go, to be to, real with it, yeah. To, yeah. Um, when I was, yeah, when I was 20, 21, I moved to Pittsburgh um completely different area different situations you know no family uh no connections with the city and i was yeah i was dating a little bit here and there but it was there was a situation at one point um, that my husband doesn't even know, but I had a semi-abusive relationship with one of, with like a, um, with a gentleman. And it took a lot of, time for me to kind of get out of the situation I uh, had finished school um for all intents and purposes I was you know helping to run a cleaning company and my ex-fiance he he was never close with his family he would you know make friends with the expectation that at some point they were going to screw him over. There was, um, I had kind of limited contact with my friends that I had made connections with and had grown over the years that I had been there. And I didn't see a way out. I, I'm very lucky that my mom and my stepfather came and got me. We packed everything up. I, you know, we got into the van and we drove through the night to get back to Philadelphia. And for a while, it was just kind of like, I needed to take a break from uh, dating because I've allowed what my father did to me over the years to just affect how I treated my relationships or how 
I was within my relationship. So chapter five for me really kind of hit home just because it was like, I, I, it's difficult to it really is difficult to say no, like this is not right. You, you know, you were, you're supposed to respect my opinion. You're not supposed to try to like isolate me from my friends or, you know, put me in a situation where I have to solely rely on you. So it's, and it's for for me now. You it was interesting. You you mentioned your father, and and for and when doing that chapter in chapter five, and um, talking about my dad, I grew up in an environment where, um, yeah. unfortunately, unfortunately, sexual activity was more open than it was closed, and we grew yeah. up watching pornography, very common. And when I say so common, it was as common as watching the Brady Bunch or the Cosby show in our house. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't as if my mom thought that my dad was going to harm us. She, she de- never thought that she didn't think that, you know, she always thought that, you know, he loved us and cared for us. And it was just different for us. Right? You know, I grew up with yeah. a very different family dynamic and that's something I share in the book as well. But when I think about, you know, my, my concept of sexual acts, right. was based off. That's why my, mm-hmm. my understanding of intimacy was so distorted. And the idea that, the last relationship that I talked about with the gentleman that um, took away my no, because we had had a long conversation, a long conversation for days and hours on end about what it is that I was expecting from a relationship or looking mm-hmm. for or needed, and he said the same thing. So when the second date occurred, mm-hmm. and he just abruptly says to me in the, at the end of the second date, to stand up and take my clothes off, I didn't say no because I never knew that was an option. Yeah. It wasn't forced. It wasn't rape. And I don't want to give it that, but he took away that no. I don't want to give him the power. I don't want to make myself the victim, but I didn't know that I had the option. Right. And even though we had these conversations and he had whatever, I reasoned within myself why it was okay for me to say yes as opposed to saying no, or not even to say yes, to be compliant. Mm-hmm. That's probably the word we should use, compliant. And so being in any any situation where the, it's abusive and you knowing you know it is, it's a matter of owning who you are as a person. To be able to say to yourself, I deserve better, that I don't have to stay here, that there are angels that come into our lives that give us the way of escape yeah. so that we don't have to stay stuck. And then we have the tenacity and the resilience to be able to stand up and say, I deserve better. Yeah. You don't deserve to isolate me. You don't deserve to harm me. You don't deserve to make me feel less than. And so we make those conscious decisions. When I left him, mm-hmm. I knew because I had begun to understand what it is I wanted in a man, not necessarily what I thought he was giving me in return. And if but nothing else, I learned how to, as I learned over during the pandemic, watching a podcast or mm. not, it wasn't a podcast, it was like a, uh, we had those clubhouse uh, conversations mm. people have. And the lady said, we don't take time to observe the data. And I thought, wow, what a crazy, interesting statement. Mm-hmm. For me, it was more of the, I make a 
uninformed decision mm-hmm. and I never observed the data. I ignored every red flag. We don't go yeah. to the store and make any major purchases without no first reading the reviews, doing exactly. a Google search for everything that we want. Yep, pretty much. Right? We oh do it God. inside out, yeah. upside down, everything. And it'd be it for something for five hundred dollars. It could and be yes, something for, for like five, five dollars, right? And we're still going to do and do all the research, and and so and I did, and I put my 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 education mind on on display, and I'm thinking, yeah, think about that. I wouldn't write anything in this book without first going to do some research on to make sure I'm saying the correct thing. Yeah. How do you think that you're going to invest in a relationship that you're with for the rest of your life without first observing the data that the person is presenting to you, and then to ignore it as if it's not real? Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yep. Yeah. I'm very fortunate that my husband, Eric, he, when we had our, God, we had our first date, it'll be eight years in April, April 5th. Um, I'm really good with dates. That's awesome. I'm, I'm really good, not good with dates. Them. I'm yeah. still not good with it. My best friend is yeah. really good with dates. Birthdays and everything. Not oh, me. my God. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, like today's also um, my mother-in-law's birthday. So it's like, yay. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but our very first date, um, we had met for coffee um, at a shop that isn't open anymore in Rittenhouse Square, Joe's Coffee fantastic cappuccinos <laughs> um and then we had you know we wound up walking over to park um because I, I love french food and yeah he wound up treating uh made a dinner as kind of his belated sorry i missed your birthday because we had like met literally a week before my birthday and we were gonna meet up again later on in the week um also kind of before my birthday but he disappeared for like a little while i'll tell you guys about that another time but um there was i i was looked up from the menu and he had this look on his face and i was like what and then it was just kind of like this is nice don't you know this is like really nice and We've built our relationship around communication and having the difficult conversations that, you know, people that have significant age gaps always or should always try to have, you know, do you want kids, Um, uh, where you want to live, what kind of, what do you see our lives kind of being like and everything else and... Yeah, I'm always grateful every day that we get to have a committed relationship where we discuss everything. We never make any decisions without um, going over all of the facts and, oh, yeah, doing our homework and our research and everything else. So I am um, always very, very grateful for that. We'll uh, be marking five years as a married couple um, next October, which is awesome. Okay, you just had an anniversary. You just yeah. came back from your trip, so yeah. Yeah. Happy yeah, anniversary, we're... and thank you for sharing that. That gives me hope. Yeah. That gives me hope. Yeah. Like, we have a lot of friends, and we have a, one friend, um, Alyssa. 
she is finally uh, dating a nice guy and he's super sweet and they travel and like to do a lot of hiking and um, a lot of outdoorsy stuff um, and biking and other stuff and everything. But um, for the longest time, she was always she always looked at our relationship as like the roadmap of okay this is what I want mm-hmm. um where other friend Randy really really want wants as well although she has horror stories about the dating scene out here in Philadelphia tell Randy we can write a book together we oh. can write a book together the dating oh my God. Really dirty it's very dirty so I'm going to say I, I am my most clean with, version. It's very, very dirty. Very dirty. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I am. Oh, I'm very, very grateful that I'm a happily married lady. So it's like, yay. Always, always a good thing. But um, what advice would you give for, I guess, the single ladies of Philadelphia or you know, single parent, you know, or, you know, maybe struggling in their relationship or anything. Listening to you tell the story of you and your spouse in the process of um, what it takes to maintain the healthy relationship, Hmm. communication and things of that nature, just made me think that I think on relationships, one, I remember, um, I had lost a really dear friend, really dear friend, who was more like a mother to me. I talk about her in the book as well. And Miss Robinson right. had passed away. And when she had died, it was um, it was a loss that felt like I had lost my soulmate, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Really, really had a unique and beautiful relationship. She was like that mother figure, taught mm-hmm. me how to love my mom, how to be a nurturing parent, how to be a lady. She taught me so much. And, and, and with the grace of that, I rem- remember thinking when she died, what it would look like in a relationship with a man. What would that look like? That, that mm-hmm. unconditional love from someone and the, the idea that intimacy is not just rooted in sex. Right. So learning that, putting that in my head, trying to figure that out, I remember asking God to give me direction on what it is that I should look for. Because if I'm going to seek out something, I need to know what it looks like when I see it. And so I began to contemplate what a partner would look like and what it is that me, Charlene, needed. And so I thought about me, not what the partner would come with. What do I need? What do I need to be mentally stable? What do I need to do within myself, right? Managing Mm -hmm. my emotions and having boundaries within myself. When you Mm -hmm. have those boundaries and those... um, basic things and I say basic because they belong to you not that it's always easy but when you understand who you are as a person then you're better able to present yourself to someone else because you're not dependent on someone to bring you happiness you're not dependent on somebody to make you happy uh, you mm-hmm. know fulfilled or any of those things but at the same time what I've learned even as I talk to people now is that because of those hard conversations I had with myself mm-hmm. I could be in a conversation with someone who's trying to shame me or want me to feel less than, or doing it to somebody else. And I can immediately identify it and observe it and then call it for what it is and give it its own place. It don't belong with me. You can have it back. Yep, I'm a big girl, but guess what? You're not going to call me fat because you think it's going to shame me. 
pretty much. I am African-American, but you're not going to make me ashamed because my skin is darker than yours. I do have kinky, coily hair, but you will <laughs> never make me ashamed of my kinky, coily hair. Because guess what? I was born this way. I was designed this way. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so if I could give any advice to a single parent, raising a child, to a single woman looking for love, to anyone trying to figure out who they are, start with yourself. When you know who you are as an individual, you will know what you are willing to take and what you're not willing to accept. Start with yourself. That's the greatest gift you can give yourself. Your own sense of self-worth, self-advocacy, and self-love. Excellent advice. And I completely agree. It is, and it can be very difficult to just kind of look into yourself when oh, it's very there hard. are It shouldn't be easy. It, I don't think it ever will be or ever has been for a lot of people, irregardless of whether you're a man or a woman, um, a part of the LGBTQ community or not. If you always listen to what everybody else is saying about you, it can definitely color your relationships. It will test what you think you're able to handle or able to tolerate. And it's, you know what, Tiffany, let me tell you, Mm. when they told my parents I was unable to learn, I heard that. I heard that. I lived it. I believed it for years. (laughs) When I failed out of college, I believed it. I knew it. They said I couldn't learn. I knew I wasn't going to, but I kept pushing. You can believe yeah. whatever you want to believe, but this is what I, I understand, that you can exchange the lie for the truth, and you can discover what you can do, right? I talk about yeah. that in the book, the can and can't. Learning yep. what you can do, learning who you are, learning your, your strengths, your abilities are. Once you know that about yourself, you become that resilient, powerful person, because then you realize, they said I couldn't learn, but then I went back and I found that I can learn, and yeah. I learned enough to even graduate and I didn't just graduate. I graduated with honors, like, you know, the blue and gold cords oh, hanging around yeah. your neck. And I had the nerve to do it more than once. Yeah. I graduated from Bible college, and then I went to community college, and then I got my bachelor's degree, and I got my master's degree. You can't tell me I can't learn. I'm resilient. Yeah. God said, I'm, 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 I'm the apple of his eye. They can't learn. <laughs> There's nothing you can't tell me I can't do. And so, yeah, people yeah. can tell us one thing, but when we understand who we are, and you have to figure that, find that for yourself. You have to find that for yourself. Yeah. Find that for yourself. De- I definitely agree. The, um, God, the other day, uh, I was in the mood to make a clam chowder soup. One of my favorites. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, when you get that right ratio of the soft potato and then perfectly juicy and tender clams <laughs> and uh, like a nice flavorful um, cream sauce. It's just, it's lovely. <laughs> I didn't have clams. I, I did over, I used shrimp instead, you know, and I uh, was miss. what was I missing? Oh yeah, I was missing, um, 
stock. So I made my own stock with onions and uh, tomato and, you know, celery and carrots and everything else. And, um, you know, the... You know, the recipe doesn't call for garlic, but I love garlic. So I sweated that out along with the onions. And then I added in, you know, the homemade vegetable stock and then threw in the potatoes and, you know, finished it off with, you know, um, an herb salad of uh, dill, parsley, and mint. And, you know, the... Nice, the already peeled and deveined shrimp. And you know what? My husband said, best clam chowder <laughs> soup ever. It was just warm but if, and rich with just a little hint of spice. So, but, what you can do. You know, did I follow a recipe? No, I did not. What I did. I, That's what no, I did not. Because, oh, yeah, recipes call for things like tomato paste uh, for some odd reason when you're making your stock. Or, um, you know, adding salt to your dish. Don't get me wrong. Salt's great. Brings out flavors. But I don't like a lot of salt. That's why I make my own stock. Um, And, uh, you know, it said, you know, uh salt um go and salt the potatoes uh, ahead of time and um you're supposed to have you know um you're not you're not supposed to do heavy cream you're supposed to do like half and half and butter is like the place i i want a richer flavor so i'm gonna add heavy cream (laughs) um forget the half and half because that's just basically milk um that's just you know light and everything else but it's you know through cooking and everything else it's where I like to go it's where I can think about you know what I've read or what I've um, sent out you know figure out the plan of action for whatever the situation may be um it's my it's my calm place and in your book you oh, talk about you know what you need to do to figure out yourself how do you how would you apply what you learned writing the book to um just kind of becoming comfortable, I guess, with yourself and with. Listen, by the time you write, <laughs> by the time I got to chapter five, hmm. and to, like I said, remember the book was written and I had to go back and redo it. And as my editor at the time I got ready to do chapter five and I was, hmm. you know, we were doing, at this point we were doing line by line, word by mm-hmm. word um, editing. Oh God, is that tedious. Oh, Jesus, oh is that teasing? Oh, that is so tedious. I'm I know, you. I know. It, it, day by day, hour <laughs> by hour. Oh, my God, it's tedious. But we did it. And she pushed me, and it was, it was intentional. Because I said, you can't write a story like this and not be able to have conversations about it. Yeah. You can't have courageous conversations if you're afraid to open up your mouth and talk about it. And if that be the case, that means you're walking in shame and you're walking mm-hmm. in fear. But I own who I am. 
because of mm-hmm. all that I experienced has made me the woman that I am. I know I'm resilient. That's a strong word. That's a word everybody's using. That means something. Mm-hmm. You know, you asked me what resilience means. It means Charlene. Someone said to me yesterday, I have a picture on one of my social media platforms, and it's me, uh, it's a picture of me kind of like um, sitting on a chair, and mm-hmm. it's like I'm having the laugh of my life. My, the, the, my feet are kind of like this. It's the perfect posture. <laughs> and I mean, when I used that picture, the conversation was, I love it here. It appears to be that everything is upside down. So many things on the plate. Mm-hmm. So many things to do. Not enough resources. Not enough this, not enough that. But when you fully understand everything works together for your good, mm-hmm. everything can be either good or bad. You can say it's either half full or half empty, or you can simply mm-hmm. say it is what it is. You can take it, you can learn, you can grow from it, make yourself better. I don't need all of that, but I can eat the fish and spit out the bones kind of concept. I mind my understanding of what reasonable and unreasonable expectations are, even for myself. And so when I think about all that I've written in that book in this past year, and I, when I, and even, in, even this past four or five months have been so empowering. Um, I mean, like, the, the, the space of knowing who you are, even amongst your friends who see mm-hmm. you every day, your cheerleaders, the ability, the ability to be able to mm-hmm. be true to who I am and learning boundaries and all those kind of things. It's been so empowering. It's been, it's, been, it's, it's even after writing the book, it continues mm-hmm. to get better. Like I understand that, you know, yep, every relationship I was sharing with someone not too long ago about my relationships and how each one, though the were not what I needed or was expecting, I took the lessons from it. Mm-hmm. So that when I got to the next one, I don't make the same exact mistake. Right. Until I figured it completely out, I kept going. I discovered the can and can, as they say, and yeah. I learned what I could do and I kept going. But when I think about the evolution of Charlene since releasing this book, it's been amazing. It's a, a matter mm-hmm. of self-confidence. It's a, it's a sense of peacefulness that I can relax and relet, relet myself be released to sit mm-hmm. down and wait for the doors to open. I don't have to chase anything. I don't have nope. to chase relationships. I don't have to chase opportunities. You just relax in them. It's like yeah. you know your value and your worth, and you don't have to go do the extra mile. And doesn't take away from the fact that you operate with integrity or that you operate with a, a spirit of excellence or that you are committed to the work that you do. But I don't have to run after it. Which is There's a scripture awesome. in the Bible, and I'm a person of faith, and I, I'm 100% person of faith. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that the blessings of the Lord make it rich, and he adds no sorrow. I'm blessed to be here. There are traumas that we have experienced, and if they're going to work together for my good, I got to figure out how they work together for my good. And if for nothing else, I get the opportunity to see somebody else. It may be difficult right now. It may mm-hmm. be hard. You don't know which way to go. But if you keep on pushing and keep on believing in yourself, you will discover that you too are resilient. You know why I know that? Because I've been there. I've done that. And I got a t-shirt, a mug, and a hat to prove it. <laughs> That's awesome. How has uh, your book tour been coming along? The book tour. <laughs> yes, the book tour. So this is, it's, been, it's been just a, just a little, not even a whole year. April was when I released it. I've done some mm-hmm. small vending events. I've done um, an interview or two here or there. And it's been fun. Mm. It's been, you know, enlightening things that have been like, 
Ooh, building momentum. I um uh, back in the early part of the summer, one of the Rowan University, uh, one of the professors had reached out to me mm-hmm. to consider using uh, my book for one of his projects, and I was like, great, that's a great opportunity. So wow. I'm looking forward to doing more with them in the spring. Uh, Rutgers University, my alma mater, I had the opportunity to connect with one of the uh, um, uh, administrative uh, persons there, and they also brought the book, and we're going to be doing a project in January, and hopefully my book gets to be a part of the assigned reading for the incoming students who are um, uh, uh, coming for the first time, first-generation students, you know, parents who've Mm -hmm. never been to college. I intend... Um, well, this week, actually, when I leave here, I'm going home. I have my entire car packed up with books and vending booth and things. And I have an event this weekend, a big conference in Delaware with the Ignite Women's Summit. Um, and I'm so excited. I'll get to facilitate a courageous conversation. I'm going to be selling books and looking forward to what's going to happen in the spring. I got an email last night and a nut- actually two, two um, uh, from my sorority. One uh, just reminded me that we have this international tour that we do with authors who are within my sorority. And then my particular chapter had made a recommendation to doing something. So there's so many different conversations. And you know, as we mentioned Sylvia earlier, uh, my dear heart friend, uh, the Queen of Green, they're <laughs> you know, supposed to be doing a project together. So there's so many different things that are coming up. I find that since the book is released, at first I thought I need to be at every event, I need to go to everything, and I need to sign up and I have to be there. No. Yeah. Oh my God. No. 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 And so learning no, that you want, yeah. yeah, being selective in mm-hmm. the events that you uh, actually go to uh-huh. versus what somebody might say is, oh, rumor mill. Mm-hmm. Charlene Ransom's gonna be at my event tonight mm-hmm. or today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she'll have copies of her book uh, for people to purchase, and if you want her autograph, great. Yeah. You can get yeah. it right yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah so for I, an extra twenty dollars yeah. per person. <laughs> yep, I've done. Oh, I've done but, some uh, It's been yeah. great. It's been great. Keynote speaking oh. and things like that. So I'm I'm excited. I think that um, mm-hmm. moving and in, going into the new year is, is the end of the year. I'm excited about this. The rest of the November and December, spending time with family and my friends, and then starting off the year with a whole lot of activity. Cause mm. hey. There's a lot of work to be done, and a lot of people need to know just how they really are. Hmm. Have there been any other um, schools or universities that would... Not yet. Uh, Not have, yet. Let's just start. We, I mean, we're available. Okay. We're available. Okay. We're available. Okay. We, we, we're good at helping well, with developing curriculum and everything. Yeah, we're ready. Oh, that is awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm, like, kind of thinking back to my... Um, various alma maters um community college of allegheny county which is out in pittsburgh um they have a very robust uh social work program um and uh delaware county community college is also like a really good school out here and you know oh one thing that i always find interesting is how people approach you know education and um, learning and everything else and figuring out how you're able to work through like all of the different courses I mean I know that when I had to take you know psychology and sociology I loved those courses they were my two favorites uh, my two favorites uh, history and understanding the, people 
the besides like English cop uh, one and two were just like English in general and um, you know transitioning into communications and public relations and advertising for my concentration um, it's always a lot of fun and um, my last alma mater's Widener University their social work program is so Pretty awesome very comprehensive mm -hmm. and I considered uh, them when I did my masters. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I love Whitener. They're very hands-on mm -hmm. with all, regardless of like your major or your degree program. Very small, they're, intimate. They're college. very mm -hmm. um, hands-on with everything, and you know, uh, there's a lot that you learn over the years of going to school, and kind of like. Hey, this is great. This is good. Um, so it's always good to see, you know, you having you still maintaining your connections with Rutgers and um, with Rowan. Um, I know a lot of people have Rowan. Uh, so it's yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Um, I guess my last question for you today. <laughs> will be you know any travel plans uh besides the conference in delaware you know for i don't not for the rest of the year and i'm gonna tell you i'm a traveling person i i mm. intentionally travel just to visit art museums all over the world mm. and uh this year released the book in april i have been uh i'm trying to think what i did went, went to the um, martha's vineyard for a week uh, this summer Spent a couple of nights with my family up in New York. Um, been doing a lot of staycations, I guess you could say, and just yeah. been, you know, going through some uh, um, isolation, for lack of a better way, but it's been beautiful. It's okay. been really good. I haven't suffered it. It's just been a lot of uh, reflecting and getting myself prepared. They says, prepare my favorite chance, and I don't mm -hmm. want to get uh, swept off my feet and not figure out how to put them back on the ground. So it's been really interesting, but I don't know. Coming up into the new year, I don't know what what's all in store, but I know mm -hmm. that um, uh, in October I'll be going back to Dubai for the fourth time. Wow! And in August, my family we are planning. We've already made uh, arrangements to go to. Um, mm. I want to say Morocco. Oh. I think it's I, somewhere. I'm so I jealous. Know. Is that funny uh, that I don't even know? Uh, my cousin, my cousin said I booked it already. We're going. I'm like, okay, yes. Oh, what's yes. that? Uh, bring bring me some spices. Bring some spices. Oh my god, Morocco oh my god. And, and Dubai spices. Can I just tell you the funniest oh story? God. She probably would kill me because if she hears this video, she's gonna <gasps> kill me. But when we were in Dubai two trips back, mm. she spent literally 900 US dollars on spices. I don't blame her. I'm she sure. didn't intend to, but, but I just, and she's just, just, thank goodness she's a chef, so she does a lot of cooking. Exactly. But the, she got, and, she went crazy. Uh, it was like spicy. Oh, I never, uh, I didn't even I know. I wouldn't even know what to do with them. What would that go on? Does it go on fish? Does it go on, what is yes, that? I wouldn't even have a clue. So, oh, no, no. Listen to you saying you sweat oh the potatoes God. and you sweat. I was like, what? She's these fancy cookers, yeah. Oh, my just, God. Yeah, I'm sauteing, that's it. Yeah, well, that's basically that's what the same it, thing. It, okay, it's, see it's the fancy the word thing. sweating, yeah. sauteing. Yeah, okay. so saute is just the fancy version of you know sweating um, a certain ingredient. Oh wait a minute, so saute is the fancy version. 
Yeah. Um, when? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Um, no, there's, yeah, there's a lot of cooking lingo, <laughs> but um, no, oh God, 900 on just spices. One spices, it. and there were so many spices, Tiffany. Oh, that day, she had to get it, she had to unload one suitcase to put them in while we were right there at the counter to get ready to board our checkout. No, place. no. But she, and I said, I said to her, she uses them, she uses those spices. I said, yeah. everybody would have had spices for Christmas present that year. Oh Everybody, I'd have been like, you get some curry, I yep. got some paprika for you, I got yep. some whatever this is, and whatever uh, that is, everybody's getting spices in the bag. That's what everybody's getting for Christmas. Perfect, yeah. I, I would have had a lot of fun with that, because I love a variety of different spices. They had like five different curries. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, oh, I no, no, no. Yeah. There's, a, there's um, a variety. Actually, there's more than five. It, I'm uh, sure, right. It, there's probably more than is. five, because it depends on the culture, because mo- when... You hear the word curry, you automatically think Indian or like from India or um, Middle East, period. Or like mm-hmm. the Middle East, although there's also um, Africa, too. Africa. All over there's here. Malaysia, there's Thailand, there's. Oh, Apparently, yeah. here in America, they like curry too because I'm telling oh. you, my hairstylist said, bring it back to me, Miss Charlene, I will use it. She was very yeah. happy. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I I love spices and well, you can. My use next it. trip, I will make sure to bring you some spices. Back. Oh my god, please! I, lo- I love a good uh, spicy, um, high level of heat. I'm fine. I with got you. I, well. I, I'm Morocco. Oh. We getting spices oh, full. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Got you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, but um, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on to Tiffany's Community Spotlight. Um, as a reminder to everybody, you can stream Tiffany's Community Spotlight on Apple, Spotify. Uh, you can do the video version on YouTube or wherever you stream your podcasts. I am your host, Tiffany Dubois Morales, and thank you. Thank you.